What's up guys, Black Wolves here and welcome back to my channel. Today we're back on FIFA 2020 with the launch career mode. Thank you, my G, that was on FM. Hello and welcome back to Studio Sense Cycling Podcast for today's daily recap of the Tour de France, stage number nine of this tour between Cluse and Tien, 150 kilometers for the final Alpine stage. And what a stage we've had results-wise, it was mental, weather-wise, probably one of the worst stages on this Tour de France. I would like to remind that it's July and some of the riders had to change clothes because they were freezing. So thanks, weather. But first, Joe, how are you? I'm excellent. Thank you, Guillaume. I'm nice and nice and dry in my house. Haven't been outside in the, in the rain like every single rider at the Tour de France today. It was, uh, like I said, apocalyptic conditions, I'd say. Rain all day long from before the stage began until right all the way through the line. So um, really difficult day for everyone. And I think we saw that with quite a few riders out the time limit. That is very correct. A few riders out of the time limit. Um, but out of that horrendous weather, out of that apocalyptic day, rose one man to the occasion. Ben O'Connell, the Australian from Aja Desert Citroën La Mondiale, getting his win on the Tour de France. He had won previously on the Giro. He joins a nice bunch of riders like Michael Rogers, Caleb Ewan, Richie Port and Simon Garrens and others, as Aussies having won both on the Italian Grand Tour and the French one. Unbelievable win today in Tien and quite, quite the day for the Aussie. Really was. And uh, we had, it was a funny day, wasn't it? Because we had about 40 riders in the breakaway at first. Massive breakaway. Quickly broke off on the second climb, before the second climb even. And that was the break that went to the line. I thought some of that group might come back. But no, it was Nairo Man, Sergio Higuita we saw dominating the day. And like I said, Ben O'Connor um, as well. We supposed as well. He was trying to get some KOM points. He lost that jersey though to Nairo Quintana. But uh, your pick, Guillaume, Nairo Man. For a while, it looked like it could be his day um, or Sergio Hagrita. But um, I must say, Ben O'Connor struggled in the descent. He just caught the two Colombians and passed them and dropped them. And in the end, I, can't, I don't think I can remember seeing live such a big time gap between first and second at the Tour de France. He won by over five minutes to any other rider. It was a dominant performance. And yet in the downhill portions, he would always get dropped, especially uh, in the Cormet Roseland. He's lost more than 40 seconds to the two Colombians who, at the time, looked like the strongest two riders as well. And they even helped each other, getting themselves food, going back to their team cars. I mean, it, it was basically Colombia versus, well, versus Ben O'Connell. But he was just the strongest in the mountain. I think Nairo played not the smartest of races. I think he definitely used a lot of energy going for the KOM points and therefore missed out on a, on a potential stage win. But yeah, unbelievable day for Ben O'Connor. Five minutes ahead of um, P2, which is Mata Cateno. And we have another Italian in P3, getting his best results so far in this Tour de France, Sonny Corelli. I don't believe, I don't believe that result. I just can't believe what I've seen. Did he get a train halfway along or a helicopter or something taking him to the top of a mountain? Because Sonny Corelli... Gaining big green jersey points as well at the finish line, up to third place in that competition now. What a day for him, out climbing all but, th all but two riders from that breakaway. Just uh, a sublime performance from him. And um, one I don't think anyone would have predicted by any stretch at the beginning of the day. Oh, I don't think anyone did, no. I actually, I mean, I nearly picked him, but I went for Buchmann for P3. <laughs> no, but I, on, on the real though, I'm quite sad though regarding the predictions because I did have Ben O'Connor in P2. 
So that really felt bad for me. But now, Cole Bradley, unbelievable ride. Um, and I'm believe wrapping up the top five, I think is Guillaume Martin, who had a puncture um, when he wanted to attack. Sad day, but we'll see what uh, Socrates and Aristotle can say about it for, uh, for the French fellow so far. And finally, in P5, Franck Benamour with yet another top 10 on this Tour de France. Very solid Tour de France mm. from the rider from BNB. I don't think anyone expected anything from him at the start of this race, but he's proven to be um, quite, a, quite a strong asset for the men in glass. Yeah, he really has. Um, but anyway, Ben O'Connor not only winning the stage for some time, it looked like he may even go into the yellow jersey. Um, however, not to be in the end, two minutes down on Pogaccia, but he is now into second place and he has over three minutes to rigor around in third place. Ben O'Connor, for me, has to really be considered as one of the favourites right now to finish on the podium at the Tour de France. What do you think, Guillaume? Because entering the race, I thought he could probably get a top 10. Now with this massive boost from the breakaway, I feel like he can he can even go on to get that podium. All right, so I'm going to be extremely honest. There is no proof of that because I made predictions with a few friends. I had said that Ben O'Connor would either finish in the top 10 or BKOM jersey of the Tour de France. And when the first two, three stages happened, I my, my shout for top 10 was in my head gone because he's been extremely unlucky. And Aja Dezer as a whole was unlucky. But today, I back him to end up potentially on the podium of the Tour. He's, he's a contender. He can climb. The man can climb. He'll have a team dedicated to him. Uh, a team, sadly, deprived of Nance Peters, um, who well, left the Tour de France this morning. But I think he genuinely has a chance at top five. And the rest of like the competition doesn't look that dominant, except from Tadej Pogacar. Mm-hmm. So with three minutes, he's a decent time trialist. Not the best one, but he's decent in this solo effort. Yeah, I think Ben has a shot. Yeah, I'd actually say he's he's my favourite. He's my favourite to finish second right now. Like, with that time gap, three and a half minutes to anyone else, really, Iran, you know, he might lose a minute on Vonsu, he might lose a minute here and there, but, um, you know, I think he can definitely hold hold that podium position and I don't see any any reason why he can't do that, to be honest. But you mentioned uh, Norse Peters, one of many riders to uh, leave the Tour de France today. Uh, we had Arnold Dumas, we had Brian Kokar as well, um, two sprinters who were over the time limits. I saw Nick De, uh, Nick Delamini from uh, Quebec at Assos. He was well over the time limit, but battled all the way to the line. Awesome to see um, from the South African. But uh, yeah, quite a few DNFs today, as well as Tim Merlier. Indeed, and also a few DNS, mainly, mainly Primoz Roglic, last year's runner-up of the Tour de France, uh, saying goodbye to well to the Tour. I think it was a it's a tough day for um for Jan Movisma. We'll we'll get into that uh, in a few seconds. But yeah, a lot of DNFs. I mean, Arnaud Demar looked terrible. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> looked out of it. Like at, when he crossed the line, he just sat on on the saddle. Arms on the handlebar, like the UCI could potentially ban him for actually having the arms on the handlebar because that's quite risky at the moment, even though he was stopped. Uh, and yeah, Jacopo Guarnieri as well, bringing um, up out of the race. Nick Domini, I don't think he's, I mean, I think he finished a couple of minutes ago and mm-hmm. it's currently 7.30. Yeah. So more than two hours after um, good old Ben O'Connor. But yeah, a tough day. And I think one of the strongest images I've seen on this race today was Mark Cavendish crossing the line with um, Tim De Klerk and Michael Morcau in tears. And he looked like he had aged 10 years out of that stage. Unbelievable. This image and Julien Lafilippe having to change on the side of the road 
because his entire body was like frozen cold. That is that just shows the length and the effort that the riders undergo undergo sorry during a race like the Tour de France. Yeah, today especially with the weather, just if you're not good in the cold, then uh, today was a day a day just to come in in the Green Peso if you could and get in the time limit. And Mark Cavendish, like you said, I think just over a minute in that time limit, so he battles on, um, and quite a few riders were just inside that time limit as well. I think Greg Van Avermaet, one of the riders within just seconds of missing the time cut. So, um, yeah, pr- pretty brutal day for the Tour de France today, um, but not brutal day for Tadej Pogacar and Ben O'Connor. Tadej, again, showing he is just toying with the rest of the GC contenders here. That moment when Carapaz attacked and Pogacar followed, he kind of just rolled off the front. And when he looked round, he just kind of thought, hang on, can these guys not even follow this? All right, I'll just, I'll just press on then. It was, it, it was almost laughable. It was almost laughable how better... How much stronger he was in that moment and and in that final climb, um, unbelievable, Gil. I he was flying, and I think there was one thing that kind of shocked me at the start of the climb of Tigne, Right, I mean, maybe two kilometers in, the gap was eight minutes to Ben O'Connor, and this man is so strong. He's managed to make a lot of people doubt the chances of Ben O'Connor to win when the man had 8 minutes and 18 kilometers to go. Do you know how mental that is? To, to doubt, and like, it's Ben O'Connor. He's not Andre Greipel, right? It's not Jacopo Guarnieri. It's a man that can climb, and we got scared for him. And I think if UAE had kept on pacing, I don't think... I think Tadej could have potentially come back on the Australian. However, UAE did try to let the Aussie go, maybe because they don't want to assume the weight of the yellow jersey in the next few days, which is why Ineos decided to base and then to launch an attack through Richard Carapaz. Tadej followed, counter-attacked, looked behind, was like, oh, oh, I've already got 10 seconds. Well, might as well carry on then. Uh, losers for the day, though, GC-wise, David Godu and mainly uh, Alexei Lutsenko, who started the day in a P3 and is now in P8, having lost a minute today. But the gaps between P5, uh, sorry, between P3 and like P8 are still within a minute. Everything can still change. Uh, Jonas Vingegaard had at one point looked slightly um, weak, but he managed to come back. Will Kukel Manuzal, strong right from him, despite losing a few seconds at the end. And Enric Mas, who crashed earlier in the day, finishing with the second best group, I guess, the first one being Tadej Pogacar. Anyway, looking ahead to stage 10 of the Tour de France, which does take place after the first rest day tomorrow at the time recording this. But uh, it's another sprint stage, really. Albeville to Valence. Albeville has been on the Tour de France many, many occasions, actually, in the past few years, past 10 years. I think it's been five times a start location for a stage. But uh, it looks pretty set to be a sprint. We do have a couple of minor climbs, Guillaume, but I don't think they're going to have a big impact on things. However, we could see Bora... Bahrain, as well as Bike Exchange, try and maybe attack Mark Cavendish on those climbs. Without Merlier in the race now, Zamar, the only rider they're going to try and target is Mark Cavendish. And they can't really bring him to the line as they have done at the previous sprint stages. So for me, I think we could see those three teams in particular try to drop Mark Cavendish on the on the minor ascents we have here. I think they will. Um, I think they will try to do so on the, the... Well, it's not exactly a climb, but it's in beauregard Barret, which is 30, 40 kilometers away from, from the end. Five kilometers, an average of like 4%, 4%. I think. But it, it's their only chance to actually drop him because, well, the Col de Cous is 
way too far down to, to try and do anything. Um, but Colbrelli looks strong today. Matthews was in the breakaway. Peter Sagan is the latest winner in Valence. He won there in 2018 ahead of, I believe, European champion Alexander Christophe at the time. But could be wrong. Uh, but I think we'll see a mass sprint. However, you've just mentioned one thing regarding Alpecin. Jasper Philipsen just went from a Mathieu van der Poel and Tim Meller lead-out to Petr Vakoc and Christian Zbaragli. Welcome to Continental. Welcome to Continental. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. His, uh, at least he's going to be leader for sure this time, right? At least there's no questions of that. At least he's got that going for him. Um, but what do you think? Is Cavendish getting to the front in the front group? He struggled today, but he does have the rest day. So for me, I'd say he's going to be there for the sprint. I think he will as well. I think one thing to know with Cavendish is that the man has the experience more than Colbrelli, more than Matthews, more than basically a lot of sprinters in this peloton. I think today and yesterday, he knew, he knew sorry, going into the stage that he would lose time. He knew he would get dropped. So I don't think he used too much. I mean, he used enough to go, to, to go through. And I think for stage 10, he knows that on paper, he can make it. So I think in his mind, he's going to go into a mindset of like, even if I can't win the sprint, even if he comes second or third, it's still better than if he gets dropped. I did quickly look back at the stage 10 of the Giro this year where we saw Sagan win that stage and him drop the likes of Nizzolo. I think Malia, actually Malia was out the race by then, but Nizzolo was dropped there. That climb was, I think, a similar length, but it was 6% on average. So this one doesn't seem as difficult. So I think it's going to be more difficult for the teams to push out Cavendish. Um, so yeah, Cavendish is going to be there in my opinion. Shall we jump into the predictions, Guillaume? I believe we should. I believe we should. Two apiece at the moment. We were unsuccessful in the Alps, despite um, us both coming close with uh, Quintana, O'Connor. Uh, we had my pick Woods yesterday, leading for a long time, but no cigar for us, no wins in the Alps. And um, I guess I'll kick things off. I'm going for a hat-trick, a Cav hat-trick. He's going to make it 33, um, and he's going to be one down on Eddie Merckx here. Okay. I don't know if I, if I want to go for him, because... In my, I know he's the best sprinter on this tour, but first of all, I want to make it interesting, so I don't want to always pick what you pick. And also, I feel like the two Alpine stages might have had slightly too much of a toll on him so that he can win. I think he'll be there to compete, as I said, uh, but I'm going to go for yet another back-to-back uh, when it comes to locations. We had Mark Evenish winning in Fougère, just like he had done before. We had Mark Evenish winning in Châteauroux, just like he had done before. I think it's Peter Sagan's time. He crashed wow. earlier in this race with Caleb Ewan, but I think I think Peter is winning in Valence. It's a nice shout. It's a nice shout. I like it a lot. Um, but other riders, I thought, Jasper Philipson doesn't have the lead out anymore, um, but I think he'll be there for the sprint and clearly he is quite quick. What do you think about Buani? Has he got a chance? I think he does. I think he does. I think he's got a very solid chance of being second. Because that's basically the ceiling when you're from Arca Samzik on this Tour de France. <laughs> uh, but I think, no, we'll have Peter Sagan winning ahead of Nasser Bueni. And uh, I'll throw in a case ball for P3. All right, I'll go second for Wout van Aert, who we haven't mentioned yet. I think we'll get seconds and I'll go for second, third in this sprint. I think there is a corner around 400 metres to go, kind of quite a sharp right-hander. So I think the lead-out is going to be quite pivotal here. I think Tukernik have the best lead-out. So um, that's mm-hmm. my pick. But that, nevertheless, is going to wrap up this uh, daily recap. We do hope you've enjoyed it. If you did, 
then please do leave a like down below and subscribe over on the YouTube channel. If you're listening to your respective streaming platforms, then make sure to give us a follow there. But we will see you not tomorrow, but in two days for stage 10 of the Tour de France between Albertville and Valence. Joe, do you have a final word for us today? Ben is on the podium. And he's staying there. All right, see you guys.